Hey everyone, uh, before we get started, I just want to say one quick thing, uh, and then we'll get you right into the main episode. Uh, I talked about the new R40 kit that Neil Peart had made, um, they revealed at NAM, and I said some things about it that I, you know, I wasn't too crazy about it uh, at first, but just as I finished recording the episode, I head back to my main computer and see that Neil had released a video through DW Drums uh, talking about his signature snare and the kit as a whole. And it was actually a really, really cool concept, a really cool idea, and I actually love the kit now. So, like I said, in the main episode, I kind of um, discount everything about the kit because it looks so much like the R30 kit. Um, But it's actually a really, really neat idea. If you haven't seen the interview or the... um, the kind of tutor- tutorial that Neil made, uh, check it out online. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it already, but just wanted to put that out there that uh, when we recorded the original, that hadn't been news yet, so I thought it was just Neil being super uh, not creative, right? Uh, but it's a check out that video, and thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy the main episode. Welcome to Rushcast. My name is Jay Mantis. Uh, I've decided that I think Rushcast is a little bit of a better name for the show as opposed to Permanent Waves, so that's what I'm going to go with from here on out. We'll get rid of the Permanent Waves thing. Plus, it's a little bit confusing on iTunes when you search Permanent Waves. You get the album Permanent Waves, uh, but way, way before you get the Permanent Waves podcast. So I think Rushcast, which hasn't been used for emails and such, is a pretty good alternative. Um, I also use like a, a close-up of the artwork from Permanent Waves. So on iTunes, it's just really difficult to decipher which one you're looking at. Um, so I think Rushcast is what we're going to go with from now on. The Knickerbocker Network has a new website up and running, and we're working on getting the Rushcast, por- Rushcast portion of that uh, going as well. So keep an eye out for that. Today I bring in uh, an old friend that you've heard before. His name is Chad Whitco. What's up, Chad? Hey, man. How's it going? Good. So we have finally confirmed a t- uh, they've confirmed their R40 tour, and now we've got stuff to talk about. What was your first reaction, Chad? To the R40 announcement? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I was... You know, waking up uh, whenever, you know, the day it came out was a couple of days ago. And um, just waking up, the the first thing I, I saw on my feed was that they had announced the tour. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, finally we have an announcement. And there's always this, I don't know, trepidation I have, just anxiety about it. Because you go to look at the dates and, and you're like, okay, am I going to be able to make the date that's closest to me? And... For me, it was it was looking through those dates and having a realization that, okay, this isn't like the normal tours that we've had lately, and it's going to be, you know, a little more of a stretch to get to see them. So, for me, it was it was almost anticlimactic in a sense, um, because you know there wasn't the the Saratoga Spring show that I was kind of hoping for to make a an easy appearance this year. Now, uh, I wanted to let it kind of sit. The, the the you know the tour announcement happened like close to a week ago 
and I wanted to give it about a week to kind of sit and uh, uh, mature and let people kind of absorb what's happening because I didn't want to know anything about it. Um, sure. And I'm glad I did that uh, because now we've we've seen all these conversations people are having about what they're doing, what they're going to do, and now I can we can kind of discuss. Uh, I want to say that I was right that they were going to tour. A few episodes ago, I promised everyone they're going to tour. Stop worrying about it. I was not right <laughs> about the surprise album. Or unless this is still a lie to get us to believe there's not another album coming out by surprise. You know, like what if we get to the first R40 show and they play all these songs we've never heard of. And they're like, yeah, by the way, this is uh, on our forthcoming album. <laughs> How crazy would that be? <laughs> as much yeah. as that probably isn't the case, I like to dream sometimes. Yeah, that's that's probably not the case. I'll, I'll venture on the limb and say that. <laughs> but uh, it would, I mean, it would, it would be a cool experience to show up at one of their shows and go to the merch table and see, you know, the CD sitting there that you didn't expect. Them. Yeah, that would be a change of pace for sure. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. I'm a little annoyed at the group, and uh, it's, I texted you that earlier, and you're like, "What are you talking about?" Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little annoyed, and I have to understand that I do realize, you know, they're older, and um, they don't. I completely understand that some of them don't want to do those huge tours. Uh, it's not so much the band I'm annoyed at. I'm annoyed at R40 as a whole. The oh boy. The uh, the what do you the box set or whatever you call that thing, this the um, collection of CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays or whatever that yeah. had everybody uh, losing their minds. All the hardcore fans were saying, you know, it's got something like twelve live shows that we already own, and except they're on Blu-ray now. And to get that one piece of material that we don't have yet, the actually the actual new piece that they released, you have to buy the whole box set for over a hundred dollars. I think um, people were annoyed by that. I wasn't so annoyed by that, but just because I knew it was going to be on YouTube eventually, I would I would get to see that stuff somewhere. Um, yeah. But for them to cont- and that was weird. Like they don't normally. People were saying they don't normally do that. They're usually about serving their hardcore fans and uh um they weren't all about the money and the cash and some people said it's just the publishers whatever but now we get the R40 tour and i feel i it smells fishy to me it just yeah. it's uh you know they're not hitting as many dates which i get the ticket prices is what set me over the edge I'm like, uh, you know, I'm in Albany, New York. I will totally go to Madison Square Garden or New Jersey or Boston. I'm I'm a few hours away from those places. I'll make a trip to New York in the summer and go see the band for sure. And then I look online for a show that will definitely be sold out very soon. And the cheapest seat was 120 bucks. And I bet that's a bad seat at Madison Square Garden up in the nosebleeds. So... Uh, that's not the band that I've been following for, you know, close to ten years. That's just not them. That's what I'm annoyed at. Hmm. Well, you presented a lot of material to kind of dig through. Um, 
Regarding the tickets, I I don't know a lot about you know what the ticket prices are right now. I know that you know there's a couple couple days coming up where the tickets are I guess officially on sale. Um, I don't know if what you saw was one of these you know pre-sales or VIP sales. I know. Oh, maybe like, maybe it was because they have uh, they have like the gold you know the gold member or the gold VIP or whatever they call it. And the silver one, and, and those are like where you buy it, and it's like you're in the first you know, five rows or whatever, and then the next ten rows. And, yeah. and those those prices I saw were pretty expensive. Those are like three and four hundred dollars a ticket. And then I saw something about uh, you know, a VIP or some type of pre-sale going on, and then the the tickets were going on sale. Um, I think the thirtieth or something like that for some of these shows. So, I mean, that might be what you're seeing. I, I can't say yeah. with certainty because maybe I, don't I misread th- that. Maybe it was the pre-sale tickets. Even forget about the VIP package stuff. Maybe it was pre-sale regular old tickets, and that's why they were yeah. higher prices. Yeah, and, and that type of stuff. I, I, I mean, even as a big fan, I never really got into all those different levels. I just when the tickets go on sale, I just usually find one that's affordable that I can I can make. Yeah. Um. Regarding, you know, the whole R40 thing, um, you know, as far as the tour being R40, I, you know, I think it's in line with, obviously, what they did with the R30, um, and I didn't get to see the R30 tour. Uh, I know you didn't as well, I believe. Yeah, I just missed it. Yeah, so, um, for me, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to see a band that's doing a retrospective type show, and doing a show for you know that long and, and that amount of material and I have a feeling with you know the heaviness of the recent tours you know with with all the new albums that they've done clockwork and snakes snakes and arrows um, we won't probably see too much clogged up with the set list of those songs um, but probably highlight a couple of those albums on the tour but I imagine for some reason I just feel like they're gonna go back a little bit further or they're either going to go back further, or they're going to hit some of the periods um, that have been left out, neglected. Right. I think that that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to hit you know maybe the first four albums, maybe Hemispheres, uh, maybe you know something off Signals we've heard recently, Grace, um, and then you know stuff like Presto and Roll the Bones, Tesseracto, uh, Vapor Trails, even you know who knows. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think it'll be more. I think it'll be more of an even um, splitting of the songs, maybe than even R30 was between the albums, and of course, you know, the radio hits that everybody's hoping to get. Yeah, we, you and I have talked about this before. How since they're not touring for touring for an album in support of an album, they have that whole second block in the usually in the first part of the second set that uh, they would usually be out new material that they can just play whatever now. Even on right. Time Machine, they played. Uh, moving pictures during that slot, but with no album to support there, that's a big chunk of time that they could be playing whatever they want. Um, yeah, and uh, Alex, you know, he's talked in the past uh, on on other tours, but also on this one, uh, especially how it's going to be a real fans tour. And you know, I mean, are they ever going to really cut out Tom Sawyer and Spirit Radio uh, Limelight? I don't think that they're going to cut out to the degree that they'll be off the set. I mean, as much as I would like to go tour without seeing those, just for the sake of seeing some deeper cuts. Mm-hmm. 
but I still think that we're actually gonna we're actually gonna go through it just like we did with Time Machine and say, okay, we got some radio hits, but we also it was a nice mix, and and I really feel like that's gonna happen this time around. Yeah. Now, uh, a few days after they announced the tour dates, um, uh, someone posts an article that says. Uh, rush to start touring. I'm like, yeah, we know. That's old news now. Uh, it will be the last big tour of its kind. Yeah. And I looked at that, and I read the title like a hundred times. And I read <laughs> it, and I read it, and I read it, and I thought, I wasn't panicking, and I'm just like, this is just the way the internet works now. Okay, this is just um, clickbait. Right? This is yeah, it was Yahoo News, and the comments people were like, "Oh no, oh no!" And then one guy goes, "This is Yahoo News, and they're known for just lying, <laughs> straight lying about stuff and making things up." So I waited, and I I read the article, and it didn't say much else. And then I so now I can't tell if this is true, and because now everyone everyone ran with that, every uh, you know rock and roll magazine out there took that and ran with it because people it you know it grabs your attention. Rush's this is Rush's farewell tour, which is absolutely is not. If it were their fa- farewell tour, I think we'd know it. Uh so I'm not sure if that's just blown out of proportion because people took it and ran with it or if it's got some truth to it. Now, 10 minutes ago I saw I listened to an interview, a 20-minute interview with Alex Liveson on a Canadian radio station and he, he asked the uh, DJ asked him about the last big tour of its kind, and he said, he basically acknowledged that, you know, that's the truth. Um, he did not say, we're done touring, we we're retiring. He said, we're not going to go do that whole thing. The tour we did with Clockwork was huge. We're not going to do that anymore. And right. they, they've alluded to that. Uh, so, I'm a little bummed that they didn't. They're not clearing that up. Like I, I wish they hadn't just kind of snuck that in there and then let the inter- let it spread like a virus through the internet and leave us yeah. guessing. I wish they would just say, "Oh no! Like if we go, if we tour again, we'll do something. You know, we'll only do five major cities or something." Or, well, I think, you know, I think uh, if you take it for what it says, I think this will be the last major tour of its kind for them. And will they do another leg next year? Will the next, you know, if they do that leg, will it be South America? Will it be Europe? Will it be other dates in North America that they're missing this year, like other venues and cities? Maybe. But regardless, I think it it is going to kind of be probably um, the last tour of its kind. And I didn't look at the the span of the dates. I know it's 30-some dates that they're doing. Um, 34, I believe. There's typically a show between each date, and then there's, I think, a little break between for a week or something. So you're talking probably two or three months. That's still a long time. We're looking at uh, May 8th to August 1st. Okay. That's a small tour by Russia's standards. Well, well, absolutely. I mean, back in the day, they were doing 200 and some shows a year. So, I mean, it's, it's way scaled back, but I I think, you know, I had a conversation um, with somebody on the phone uh, before I actually started talking to you because I was telling them I was doing the podcast and about different things. And, you know, the factors of why Rush, this might be Rush's last quote-unquote tour of this type. And 
Um, is it their age? What, what are the factors? But I think, I think really the biggest determining factor in this is, is Neil's stance with, you know, his family and his daughter. And, you know, I think Alex is up for it. I think Getty's maybe kind of on the fence in the middle, but I think Neil is, you know, he's ready to just be a father and be a husband and to not devote so much time to the road and, and to be back for his family. Cause, you know, in one of the interviews or whatever, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, I can deal with the pain that I feel for, you know, being ripped away from my daughter, but I can't, I can't tolerate the pain that she must feel. And so he's having a hard time with it. Um, now Alex kind of shed some light on that in the interview I just heard as well. Um, they asked Alex about being, you know, during the off season when he's not touring and getting his fingers back and his chops back. Um, he made it sound like, uh, he, you know, he'll tour, but he's really close to his grandchildren. He's really close to his kids. Um, (laughs) and, but more so just that he likes to do other things, right? Being on the road can be boring or whatever. Um, right. He likes, you know, being in I, the Toronto area, I assume. <clears throat> he did say, I mean, I think you're totally right about Neil's thing. He's got a young child, right? So he's got to he's gotta be a dad. Uh, Alex said that he goes, now as for Getty, and he looks at his watch and goes, what time is it? Oh, yeah, he's ready to tour right now. He goes, Getty's been buying all these vintage bases. And be- I think because itching to go play, like he's like rejuvenated his love for that instrument. So he's, right. I, so he made it sound like Getty's the only one like pushing, he's the one pushing the hardest to get them to go. Well, I mean, I, I did hear about Getty getting some new uh, bases uh, recently. Um, but I, I did see a couple things that kind of hinted that, well, maybe it was just the fact that when Getty was, was interviewed about the possibility for the tour, you know, he kind of rode the fence and, and that might be where it comes from. Cause there was moments where he's like, yeah, we're touring. And then he'd be interviewed and he'd be like, yeah, we don't really know if we're doing that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously it's for a tour that magnitude, um, you know, still that magnitude to come out that, you know, it's been planned for weeks and months. And so, I mean, he was just probably just, you know, answering off the cuff type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait to see what kind of bases he's got though. Not to say he'll bring him out on a tour, but I think eventually we do find out what kind of bases he's playing. Right. You know, it's funny, like the bass thing, I, uh, when I, I don't know what it is, but I find when it, it comes to these, these players like Getty, um, you know, playing the, you know, his Fender jazz, which is kind of like his number one instrument or, uh, Chris Squire playing his Rickenbacker, or, or whatever, um, kind of like these older guys that have these iconic instruments and, you know, they've been around and created such a unique sound for rock and roll music that's, you know, classic or they've been on so many great songs. I kind of like, I, I'm on the fence. Like, I, I like to I like to just see only those instruments because they're, they're so great, but it is kind of neat to see what Getty will do with something else. Um, I mean, are they going to be anything other than some type of old jazz. I don't know. Yeah. Vintage instruments just could be older jazz basses, you know? Um, yeah. Now, let's talk gear for a second. I noticed uh, Fender has done some new things to the Getty Lee the Getty Lee jazz bass. Did you notice? 
Yeah, you were, you were saying uh, that I saw something you posted online the other day about, I don't know, you're talking with your father about it. Um, I'll leave that commentary maybe for you to reveal, but <laughs> I, I did see it. Uh, and it was interesting because for, I don't know, maybe the last two years, year and a half or something, all the, you know, musicians, friends, and other, you know, music catalogs that come through, the Getty Lee signature Fender was not available. Like, they just didn't even list it. Like, it wasn't in the magazine like it used to be for God knows how long. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did see that they, they reintroduced it and, you know, that they have, um, you know, they have the, the newer style neck on it now. The new pick guard as well. Yep. And, and they, they... Go ahead. The Brit... I would say about the bridge too. <laughs> yeah, it's but, like a, some Getty Fender high mass bridge, um, but they're like put Getty Lee's name on it, like it's get the get Fender Getty Lee bridge or some. It's not the badass two bridge that right. Fender used to put on all the bases, the artist bases when the artist used that bridge. So they took the made in Japan Getty that was the original, moved yeah. it to Mexico recently. Now they make them in Mexico. They're keeping that model. And also have this new one, which is made in the U.S., which means it's about sixteen hundred bucks. Yeah, um, I saw that the SRP was pretty high. So, uh, and and again, doesn't have the right bridge on it. <laughs> so, in my opinion, well, it's even less like Getty's bass. Well, that was the thing. Like I, I saw that come through, and the bridge was one of the first things I noticed. You know, the the neck was cool because you know it's kind of updated to what he's got now. Um, but the bridge, it really came back to the bridge for me. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate to say that, you know, the main bass that I play, I play Fender Jazz Highway 1 model. Uh, it has a badass 2 on it. And um, it's such a, I mean, such an integral part for that instrument. And for Getty's sound, you know, it's a big part of his bass. And to not have it was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know what you guys are doing. Yeah. But, I will I mean, it, s- go ahead. I would say it's cool that they're they're putting out a newer issue of it, and it's an iconic base, so it's it's cool to see it's you know on the market again. Have you seen the custom shop Getty? The one that's like six thousand dollars. Yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah. Well, well it's okay. all mar- yeah. it's all marked up like you know the paint chips and everything, but it does have a small feature that the Getty base has never featured that I always wondered about. Getty has three volume knobs on his bass instead of the j- standard jazz bass has two volumes and a smaller tone knob right for whatever reason getty has three of the big ones and they actually got that tiny little detail right on the custom shop so that was cool okay. yeah I don't, well, know I, mean, if, I don't know if seven grand is worth <laughs> one knob but <laughs> well no but you get to you get to see uh you know where some prints go because they they wear it into the the paint uh, now, days after, maybe two days after they announced their touring, I see someone say, it's been rumored that DW is going to uh, unveil the new R40 kit at NAM. So mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of friends from Potsdam, where I went to music school, that are still there in the business music business department. They ship a bunch of people down to NAM every year in California. So I start texting them. A lot of them are percussionists. And I go, listen, Neil Peart's new kit is down at DW. And my buddy goes, all right, DW is on the third floor. I'm on the second floor. <laughs> I'm like, well, you are really close to Neil Peart's new kit. 
I go, if you can give me a picture of that, that'd be sweet. Uh, and he did. I should say she did. Um, and I'm disappointed in that, too. <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually had a uh, discussion with my father uh, about Neil's new kit, and I was talking about, like, um, you know, they're, they're releasing a signature snare, PWS, which I think you can purchase. Um, you know, Neil's got signature drum drumming shoes uh, through a company that they're releasing. And, you know, all this stuff's kind of coming out in support, I think, of the tour announcement, whatever. But, yeah, I saw the photos of the new kit at NAM online, and I was a little disappointed, too. I mean, you know, Neil's new kit, I mean, seeing that, you know, before every tour, it's it's a major part of, of the tour, like the process. And what a great opportunity as an artist to be creative and to just steal, to, to just go, oh, let's use the old one, <laughs> you know, the old design. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's updated. Yeah, I saw a couple of Snakes and Arrows logos on it. It's definitely a new kit. And I think the hardware might be slightly different colored. No, I'm sure it is. I can't quite tell what color it is. Is it black or is it like a dark, dark, like red or something else? I don't know. From what I can tell, it's black with silver uh, pictures. And it looks like the hardware, instead of chrome, is like a reddish gold. But, you know, mm-hmm. the lighting at NAM is weird. <laughs> yeah, well, they got all the lights on the kit, yeah. so you can't really see it uh, real well. Uh, I do like I do like the, the basic, uh, you know, the logo on on the kick drum, you know, the R forty shield, yes, and me too. kind of holographic. That's kind of classic, uh, and and I, I like that touch. Um, I don't know, like, what else would he do though for fortieth anniversary other than highlight the imagery from the albums? I mean, I don't think they... it takes that much uh, that much of a drastic <laughs> change. You can, I like the idea, but since it looks so much like the R four the R thirty kit, uh, right. It, why not, pretty just, much a, why not invert it? Make it white. With, <laughs> make it a white kit with black pictures on it. You know that I would love that. Well, I think the thing is, is that it's it's very, it's very classy in a sense that you know you have each of these kind of logos going around the you know the sides of the toms and the snares and all that. Um, I mean, you could do almost like a mural type painting around each one. Um, which would probably get cluttered and hard for people to see from a distance, uh-huh. understand what it was. I mean, because, you know, I saw, I, going into this, I don't know if we ever talked about this, I, I did consider that an approach to the kit would be like, you know, potentially be like R30. But I also thought that, you know, knowing Neil, he might just go back to something very classic. And, you know, I know he loves the color red for his drums and stuff like that. So maybe like just a really nice red kit. Um Similar to Snakes and Arrows, but you know maybe a different tone, or something going back to like maybe one of his first kits. Um, I mean, how awesome would it be to see something you know with the double, you know, bass drums? Yeah. Yeah, I. You know, I'm sure it'll look great in person. When I was seventh row during the Clockwork Angels tour, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was how much different that kit looked in person. The the Clockwork right. kit. So, I'm sure this one looks beautiful. Now, we're, all we have right now are dark pictures in that building. So, yeah, and the riser that it sits on, that's going to be, you know, a part of the aesthetic for the kit as well. Yeah, 
And it, the, the picture's think, not complete yet. I think it's fair to say he's not going to be able to top that time machine kit or the or the clockwork one. Be, just yeah. with the uh, the moving uh, animations on it and everything on the risers. Um, I also, yeah, I have to wonder too because it seems like the last few tours, the stage presence of of kind of like their gimmicks and and their you know little tongue in cheek jokes and stuff like that, like you know what sits behind Getty every time, mm-hmm. or you know the last tour, Alex, you know didn't have the classic amps, you know the stacks behind him. He had you know that giant. I don't know what the heck you want to call it, that scream thing. Um, so you have to wonder, you know, are they going to keep going in that direction or are they going to kick it back to something completely, you know, just Alex back with the stacks, back with, you know, some type of just random appliance. Yeah. Now, I'm on uh, the Rush website right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to say one thing, that the R40 artwork is subpar. <laughs> I know I'm ripping apart everything that they've done so far, but... Uh, you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go to the next show thinking you're going to go in, and there's going to be like a sign with your face picked <laughs> staple to it saying, do not let this man in. Yep, <laughs> probably. I mean, I don't hate any of this stuff. It's just that they set a really high standard um, for a long time. For example, I thought all the artwork for Clockwork Angels was amazing. And this Rush R40 Live celebrating 40 years, North American Tour 2015, is a beach with a dog on the right, a seagull on the top, and what looks like one of the moving pictures red guys. He's got like the uh, metal detector, right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't don't get that. I I don't get it. Uh, well, you know, it's not bad. It's not important either. It's just, I don't know. Well, I mean, the the dog, I mean, I only saw the, the photo once or twice. I think dog is Dalmatian, which is obvious right. reference to the signals and everything. Um, of course, you got the, the guy with the red jumpsuit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's supposed to be some type of message behind that imagery. Um, it's just, it just kind of was like a light, kind of like, oh, okay, you know, Rush is going on tour. It wasn't a real big, you know, it wasn't like clockwork where they're all the imagery, you know, between the background images on the website to tour announcements, whatever, was all part of this whole steampunk mm-hmm. themed story that Neil, you know, was kind of, you know, writing and painting for everybody to to hear and see and read. Um, so I don't think it's, it's, it's like that. I think it's just, hey, we're going on tour. We're going to play a bunch of old tunes for you. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> so there's good news for you and I, who both I think are rooting for. We're hoping for a SPAC show, which is in Saratoga, New York. Um, if you look at, I'm looking at the list right now of dates. Starting in May, they go every other day, like they did with Clockwork, up until. Um, looking right now, up until July. Actually, no, no, no. Hold on a second here. They go every other every other day until uh, early June. And there's a break between May 30th and June 8th. Oh yes, that's that's what I was looking at. Uh, I'm looking at July right now. Okay, yeah. So there's like a and there's one in July as well. So there's two. A week and a half, right? Break at the end of July into August. 
No, no. In, uh, from from June into July. That's the one I was looking at. From June twenty June twenty ninth, they have a show at Madison Square Garden, and then they don't start again until July 9th at Kansas City. So, right. if you look at the dates in in late June, Boston, Philly, Newark, New Jersey, New York City, and then they have a break. Uh, if they're they're crawling their way up north, off up the eastern uh, uh, coast. We'd be the next stop. And uh, then they go into the Midwest and start again. So there is hope for our show. The other thing is Alex said in that interview, um, which, by the way, you can find on the website. There's a link to it right here. Alex Lifeson with John Derringer on Toronto's Q107. You can listen to that 20-minute interview. Uh, He said, the interviewer said, you're not going to Cleveland. A lot of people are upset about that. Now, my personal belief is that Getty likes to go to the baseball, the local baseball games. And if my Indians weren't so pathetic, he might go to <laughs> Cleveland. You hear that, Cleveland? Get your baseball act together, and maybe Getty Lee will come to your come to your town. Oh, that's a different story. Uh, my Indians better do better this year. Uh, so, well, I have to ask you: Are they going to Denver this tour too? Because my team isn't doing any better, so I, yeah, I might have a, a more of a fighting chance than the Rockies. Uh, so the, he asked Alex, "Listen, these Cleveland people are not happy. How could you skip Cleveland? You know where you got your start." And he kind of said, "He was like, listen, we only had so many slots for the show, and you know, there's scheduling things or whatever." But he also left it wide open and said. I forget how he worded it, but he said, we're still massaging things out, I think is what he said. Meaning, like, he goes, yeah, we released those dates, but there's still some stuff being worked out. Which means they could add some dates, I think. I mean, it happens on other major, uh, you know, acts and bands. You see it all the time. Tour dates are announced. One or two or three weeks later, you see, you know, these two or three or five cities added to the tour. Tickets go on sale, whatever date. So, I mean, it is possible. And it, Chad, um, Chad, I checked the SPAC website, and there that whole week is empty. The week that rushes off, there's nothing happening at SPAC right now. And, you know, it's right in the time frame from when they kind of seem to be in that area, typically. They're always there early July. It works out. Um, uh, yeah, late, late June or early July is usually when they, they arrive. Oh, so now people are talking about a second leg, which I think is doubtful. I think a second leg would make this another huge tour. I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, like I was saying earlier, you know, they're talking about this being the last tour of its type. Um, you know, could they add a second leg? Well, maybe, but um, I I agree, and I think that this is this is going to be it until whatever happens next. And you know, what does happen next? So, what does this mean if this is the last of its type? It could be. Like you said, they do kind of like the Pink Floyd route. They do, you know, three or four cities in North America. You know, they maybe do like MSG, uh, you know, somewhere in Boston, L.A. And then um, maybe they do one or two dates in Europe or whatever, Toronto. And, you know, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what their plans are because if it's just coming down to touring, um you know, I mean, are they just going to tour for the sake of touring and just doing a few, you know, kind of 
one-nighters in, in, in a season, or is it going to be in support or something? Or you know, I I couldn't even venture into what. Now, why I doesn't had. this is good for me and fans like me who would rather have an album than a tour? Not that sounds like I don't like the touring. You know, I'm going to see them no, no matter what. But I would the album for me it sticks with me more than the live show does. The experience is amazing, but I like the material. I value the material more. So this is if they're they don't want to tour so much. Who's to say they don't? Yeah, Alex and Getty don't fly to L.A. or wherever Neil is in California, and find a studio there and write. Then he could go home. Neil can go home every single day to his family. I think this is a nice opportunity for them to write new material and re- release new albums, but not necessarily tour on a mass scale. Right. Be like the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Um, there's, you know, what if they all three of them decide we're all too old, we don't like touring anymore, we're too old to tour, but we're still going to write music, record it, and sell it to you. I'd, I'd have no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, watching the tours, uh, I think I've seen them six or seven times now. Uh, you have a lot of memories of, of the performances, sure. Um, but for me, like, what I get left with is more of, like, for the actual performance is a general impression of how they played on certain nights or what I saw of the material. I think that's why it's great that they release, you know, the DVDs or the CDs of one of the nights. Uh, so you forever have that tour, um, you know, kind of captured on film or audio. But for me, the memories of the tours, it's mostly about everything else that's around it. You know, being at the venue, seeing the fans, you know, going with a, a good free family, um, that's, I don't know, that's almost like a longer lasting thing for me. Yeah. And I think that would probably be for a lot of people, because if, if you go to the shows ahead of time and you're not just getting the ticket and walking in the door and, you know, you wait in the parking lot, you know, everybody's outside their car, everybody's tailgating, everybody's playing, you know, a rush song of one type or another, you know, blaring it through their car speakers. It's part of the experience. Yeah. The music's great. It's great to see them performing live and every show when I go to see them I mean you get this feeling of oh my god like here it is you know they're they're about to tear the roof off but there's there's so much more to it but as far as the actual music goes itself I I think I hold on a little more strongly to the the studio work um maybe than the live cuts you know at least the ones that I've seen let's um let's finish by talking about the new website Brief. Sure. Uh, they they announced before the tour announcement came out. You know, Rush has a uh, what do they call it? Re uh, revamped website or something. Um, and uh, it's a good website. It functions well. It's laid out nicely. It just uh, I didn't have an an issue with the old website, and I really liked the old website. I uh, I loved the way it looked from an art like an artist's perspective. Um, and it was functional, so I don't know why they felt the need to change it. Not that change is bad. Uh, it just looks a little like a fan website. It looks like a Rush fan club with the the 1974 logo on top and everything. So right. that's my only thought on that. Uh, maybe it's because it's R40 and they wanted to throw up the first album's artwork up there. But the old website did it not have themes? Did it? Didn't it like? It was a clockwork theme for a long time, and it was snakes before that. It was time machine. 
Yeah, I mean, every every tour, every album, at least since I've been really following them, you know, I, I, I've always kind of liked them, but I didn't really get into them strongly until Snakes. You don't remember what uh, the Roll the Bones website looked like in 1991? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, so... It seems though that every with every you know incarnation of the band with a new album or a new tour, they do kind of revamp it, and that's I mean, and it's usually themed towards that, which is smart. It's cohesive. Um, I haven't really delved into the new website all that much. Uh, I have it up now, just kind of glancing at it, and I do understand what you're saying. It does seem kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it seems kind of slick, almost like uh, somebody put this together for them quickly type of feel. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very kind of, it almost seems like somebody took like a typical website builder and just <laughs> took and play, you know? Yep. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you've definitely been on heavy handed on the critiques on some of the stuff and. And some of the stuff, you know, it's it's fine to critique. I don't typically get down that road too much um, with some of the stuff. Just, it's just I might take because note of it, I but... have a high standard. That's all. It's their own fault. <laughs> yeah, it's your own fault. Like I said, they're just gonna you're gonna be banned forever. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Neil already doesn't like you. So I'm d- who doesn't? Neil. Uh, we're not gonna talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that is classified. And the listeners don't know about that yet. Oh, all right. So you're gonna keep your mouth shut. You can edit that out. Right? No, I won't. I won't edit anything <laughs> because they're gonna find out eventually. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Um, yeah, Neil may or may not like me, uh, or know me. We'll t- we'll talk at a at a later date when I know <laughs> when I have a better understanding. Of my listeners, my audience, and uh, the numbers. Like, I don't know how many people are listening. Because right now, I'm not sure anyone's listening. You guys uh, you guys don't participate as much as I want you to. We've had some people call in, and then I'll have them on as a guest. But speaking of participation, we have a set list challenge that I want everybody to participate in. It's going to be a blast. Uh, yeah. Chad I want, I want and it. I are the only ones involved right now. That's it? That's it. No, well, oh my. it's only been up on the internet for one episode. This will be the second. But I need people to do this. Um, we have a point system in place. There's no... Uh, you're not going to win anything because I'm a poor person. Uh, but it will be cool to see who is the most accurate. Now, I'm going to see if I can find Chad's list. Because it's kind of funny. <laughs> funny it's dead on man uh all right let me see if i have this here so here's the thing you gotta send me 30 songs that you think they will play on the tour on this tour you have until the first show when we start finding out what songs are uh they're playing send me 30 songs not your dream set list your prediction what do you think they're gonna play 30 songs plus six that just missed the cut Six that they didn't play, but you thought they might. And we're going to give you points for each one. I'm gonna, Chad, can I run down your list? Or should I keep hey. it secret? We've already done it. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if you don't think it's going to reveal anything to the audience, to, you know, for all these people that are going to write in their responses. Well, they're not going to base it on your uh, ridiculous response. Well, hey, you know, they, 
they might see what my great list is and yeah, say, okay. well, you know, I can't, I can't get all the points that he's got, so I got to do it differently. All right, here but we go. go this is Chad's 30 or so. Uh, we got Working Man, Lakeside Park, Emotion Detector, New World Man, Kid Gloves, Turn the Page, Hand Over Fist, The Spirit of Radio, Cygnus Book 1, Slash, Cygnus Book 2, Medley, Show Don't Tell, Mystic Rhythms, Free Will, Acoustic Solo into Jacob's Ladder, YYZ, Witch Hunt, The Weapon, The Enemy Within, you see the uh, uh, the Fear trilogy right there. The second set opens with Freeze, Part 4 of Fear. Animate, Alien Shore, Limbo, Headlong Flight, Test for Echo, Half the World, How It Is, Far Cry, The Garden, The Main Monkey Business, The Encore is Cut to the Chase, and We Hold On. His six extras are Fly by Night, Prime Mover, Xanadu, Something for Nothing, Everyday Glory, and Earthshine. That's a solid list right you've there. Got, you've got like a Counterparts Test for Echo set. <laughs> well, if you look, if, if, I don't know the format that I sent it to you, but if you look at the, the format, uh, the first set is, is you know, it's a retrospective tour. So I figure... Yeah, you you know, you, it says here Rush to Presto is set one. Yep. And then set two is Roll the Bones Through Clockwork Angels. Right. Okay. Yeah, so the Fear Trilogy, everybody's been dying to hear that, even though we've heard Witch Hunt how many times recently. <laughs> um, you know, the Fear Trilogy, I think, if it's a fan show, is a strong contender for making an appearance. Um, the oh. one thing I didn't add to that that I'm a little concerned about is the drum solo, because I didn't add a drum solo as one of the songs. Yeah, let's be clear about that. The drum solo we all know is going to happen, so let's not include it in your list of 30. It's 30 okay. songs. Um, you and I both agree We Hold On would be crazy to hear it to end a show. Uh, it's, just, it's a really nice song as a closer. Um, yeah, so send me your list, and I will put it in this document as well. I think uh, I, I said it in the last episode, but you get like uh, two points per... I don't know. There's a point system on the website somewhere at rushcast.podbean.com. Go check it out. Um, is that it? It might be. Uh, oh, one wait. question I go ahead. Oh, no, you oh, go. Say one, one, one question I have for you uh, regarding the set list is, you know, every every tour when the first show comes out, there's always this feeling of okay, I'm going to see them in a week uh, or yeah, 10 days. Oh, yeah, I was going days. to ask you. Yeah, so do you, do you look and say, oh, you know, I, I now I know what songs they're playing because they play the same songs every show, or as of last tour, they had a few variations. Uh, so you know, this time, now that you're moderating this whole, you know, contest, are you going to look right away, or are you going to wait until your show happens? Well, Chad and I have done this with different tours where I... the they announce the tour, the first show happens, and I go and look at the set list, and Chad says, I don't want to know. I want to find out at the show. Then I, then we switch roles. Um, for, <laughs> for Clockwork originally, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for Clockwork, uh, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. I know we've both done those two roles at separate times. Um, and I know that I enjoyed the show way better when I didn't know what was coming. A Time Machine tour... I didn't know what was gonna what I was about to hear, and it was great. For Clockwork, I knew the instant they were up, 
I knew about all the different set changes that they did day to day. I remember Chad, I would call Chad and say, there's a new set. They did a new set last night or they performed a new song. And he would, he would ask me like, is it a, is it a deep cut? What did they substitute it for? Which, which set do you think I think, do you think I would like best and things like that? Uh, so to answer your question, I think I would much rather not know what the songs are, which means I'm going to have to unfollow every Rush thing on the internet for a time and hope that you, people like you won't spoil it for me. But the other thing is, I don't know when, what show I'm going to, if any, by the time. Um, a student teaching just was a vacuum to my bank account. I have no money right now. So I'm trying, I'm going to, I have the spring to save up, I guess, but, uh, you know, well, and then there's, then there's, what if there's a second leg, you know, if they announce a second leg at the last second, right before the tour's over, then I got to wait and wait and wait and not know what those songs are. So I'm going to try. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, I, I'm going to do my best to try and, and to not, to not look, um, just because, you know, if it's, it is truly one of their last major tours, it would be fun to go in and hear the songs fresh as they come out and, you know, feel that excitement of, oh my God, I can't believe they're playing this. Hopefully. And now, do you remember when I was asking you questions about Time Machine? You had already seen it and you told me it was unlike anything they've ever done before. I don't remember that comment. You, t- but. you told me it is, the stage is. The show is something different. They've never done anything like this. And now looking back, we're like, what do you mean? Like, it seems ridiculous. But at the time, you were right. They hadn't done that big stage setup, the production, the the steampunk thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because they were, that was just, um, that's when they started recording Clockwork Angels, right? They had a, a couple songs recorded and they, on Time Machine, they played Caravan and uh, Be You To Be, right? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, that was, I remember that now. Um, One thing, every year, every tour, this um, Rush Petition website circulates. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, go vote. uh, As if it makes a difference. I like it more to see the results and see what other fans want to see. I don't necessarily believe the band is clicking on that webpage every day to see what we want to hear. I would disagree with that, but go on. Okay, uh, so each year they do it, and I remember last time it, you vote for five songs that they haven't played for a long time, uh, and then it shows you the results, that you songs you want to hear. Middletown Dreams was second forever, and Jacob's Ladder was first forever for a long time. So we heard Middletown every other show on the Clockwork uh, Tour. So this time around, I'm expecting Jacob's Ladder to be first, but they got rid of it. It's not even an option. It's Now it's only songs that have never, ever been played live. And Jacob's Ladder has been played live a long time ago. So, Well, you know, maybe it's one of those things that Alex, because, you know, I don't know if you remember this, he said before he thought it was going to be on the last tour. Um, maybe it's something he just emailed this woman as like, look, just take this out of the equation and we'll... <laughs> And we'll look at the other top five songs and see what we got. If 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 I ran the Rush Petition website and and Alex called me or emailed me, I'd do whatever he said. I'd be like, forget forget this. Like Alex emailed me. I, I would put up one song and you can vote five times and it would right. be better. <laughs> uh, 
it's interesting because I have the list up in front of me, and um, it's interesting some of the songs that that make it up there, like Jacob's Ladder. I know it hasn't been played in a long time. I I think it's a great piece. Um, the, the camera eye was up there for a long time. Uh, you know, it's certain pieces that are up there. These songs, like I, I think they're great, but it almost becomes its own like self-generating like thing where it's like, okay, this song has to be played and everybody gets into that. Yeah. You know, is Jacob's Ladder that, you know, stellar of a song that it was number one for so many, like, what was the impetus behind that? Right. I mean, right now, right now, Losing It's number one. Uh, I think Losing It's a great song that's been avoided for many years off signals. Uh, but I don't know I if, it's, it's a great tune, but I don't know if you could replicate it live. Well, but here's the thing: they just had the opportunity yeah, with the yeah. with the string the string ensemble, and and you know what are they going to do now? Sample it? It would almost be like you know, okay, it's great. It would still be great. I love it, but um, different string for two. <laughs> it's it, that's amazing, <laughs> you know. Like those are those are two songs that are just not built for the live show. As much as I love those songs, it's amazing to me that those are at the top. Well, I think different strings is on there because if I'm right, we've heard recently. I think every song off Permanent Waves, except for different strings. Yeah, maybe. Listen, uh, Chad, I'm like running out of time. I'm on like one minute here. Yo, okay. So we got a jet, but everyone should check out RushPetition.com. It's really cool. Um, Chad, thanks for being here, man. Hey, anytime. Hope to be on again soon. You bet. Send me your set lists, please, and I'll I'll put them down on this document. We'll see who wins our fun little game. And yeah, Rush is here. Rush cast is rolling. Everything's great. See you, everybody. Brought to you no, by. I say it. Brought to you by Nicker.